Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith, and my fellow passengers, how lucky are we that we got Nick Farabaugh here back-to-back days, three times in like five episodes, something like that. Again, it doesn't hit quite as hard as Farabaugh Friday, but we got a Farabaugh Thursday for us. Nick, what's going on? It's going well. You know, I'm I'm on my Mason Rudolph run uh, here, (laughs) taking over for for Allen. So... Was it's, Alan performing as bad as Mitch Trubisky? I don't know. I don't know, but um, I am being called <laughs> on in dire circumstances, and I am performing um, so. to the best of my ability, you know, next man up mentality. Um, we practice mm-hmm. that here on Steelers now as well, um, because as you know, the standard is the standard, Mr. Smith. And pretty soon we should get an intro that says, Zachary Smith and Nick Fairball. There should there, be. So. Yeah, I, I think we need a bunch of variations just in case there's a time where I'm not here and it's you and Alan or like Derek could be on here at some time. We've seen that happen in the past. So, yeah, I think we need more than just Alan and I. But anyways, Nick, as soon as we jumped off of the podcast yesterday, literally as soon as we jumped off of the podcast yesterday, news broke that the Steelers had met with Thomas Brown, who uh, most recently was with the Carolina Panthers, served as their offensive coordinator, was also their interim coach uh, when Frank Reich was let go there. Hard to get a gauge of what exactly he can do in that role just because you know there's a lot of varying reports as to how much say he actually had within that offense but it's another Sean McVay guy guy that worked under McVay with the Rams uh what do we make of this 
hard to know what to make of it other than McVay guy. Um, I keep saying they're going to that tree, and I think they are. Um, just makes so much sense to me to go to the McVay tree. And he is one of the guys that has offensive coordinator experience, but not from a, a run. He's from a running back background, so it's a little different than Zach mm-hmm. Robinson, who was a quarterback, he's the pass game coordinator, a little different. Um, we're talking about guys that you would maybe pair with the pass game coordinator slash QB's coach. I think he fits the bill pretty well there. Um, for Thomas Brown, really odd candidate. Um, only one year of play calling experience, as you mentioned, just a terrible offense for the whole season. Yeah. But it was real weird what the Panthers did. So Frank Reich basically called the offense for the first six games, handed it over to Brown for three, took it back for one, got fired, and then Brown had the rest of the way. Now, if Mm -hmm. you take those eight games he called, only averaged 13 points per game, did not score a point the last two games. Um, So not good when Thomas Brown uh, was calling the plays either, but that personnel stunk. They have a bad O-line. They have a bad receiving core. They have bad running backs. They have bad tight ends. And Bryce Young is a rookie with a rookie play caller. Without the experienced head coach, it was a mess. Um, That whole dysfunctional organization. So. The first year we have of Thomas Brown is bad, but also it's in one of the most dysfunctional years I've ever seen of an organization. So it's interesting to kind of take it into that account and then look at him getting all these. He got head coaching interviews. Like he got head coaching sure, yeah. interviews. Yeah. Uh, it's cycle. He got um, OC interviews. Like the Steelers are not alone here. So he has a very high kind of reputation among the league. So guess it depends how you look at it um definitely should be skepticism with him if he is hired sure but also you know i'm not gonna bury the guy after one year in the most dysfunctional organization in probably the last five years yeah i think he's a perfect candidate for what we talked about yesterday where it's like maybe you're interviewing two oc candidates he gets the job as oc but you got to bring in somebody with a very strong pass background then to be the quarterback coach slash pass game coordinator whatever you want to do with that maybe that's where like a pep hamilton or somebody of that vein comes in right like i think you got to feel like he's probably a prime candidate if he is your oc if he's the guy that you pick as the oc man you better pair him with somebody of that background yeah, I think that would be interesting, you know, pair him with uh, Pep Hamilton or, you know, someone that is kind of coming up the McVay tree maybe that isn't um, an OC yet but has experience in that past kind of elements. You know, that's something that McVay does really well is, is kind of growing in-house and allowing mm-hmm. those you know who guys. I thought of? Nick, I mentioned on Around the 412 the name. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Jake Peets, who works with the Rams. He's like a pass game specialist for them. He's been yeah. like he's been around though. Like he's been like a decade-ish. He's been around the organization. Now, how long he's held that specific role, I'm actually not entirely sure, but he seems like a logical guy to eventually move up the ladder. Uh, and I just wonder if maybe adding him in some capacity could be like if you don't get Zach Robinson, maybe you look at that route for some type of promotion on this staff. Yeah, that could be something. Um, I know there's a number of other guys on that staff, um, like Nick Cayley, who got uh, an interview in, in New England. Um, tight end background, secondary background, so not really quarterback background, so a little bit different, but he is one of those guys that has kind of come up the tree. Um, Jake Peets is definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense just because he's been in the NFL for over a decade at this point. Um, there's yeah. a number of guys. Um, if you look maybe at the 49er staff, a guy like Brian Flurry, who is their uh, tight ends coach, but has background 
um, working with quarterbacks and different skills there. I mean, there are a number of guys to me that make sense that could fit that role. So I would almost certainly look at Thomas Brown to try and accentuate the pass game if he were hired. Again, though, I don't think Thomas Brown would be my first choice. Um, just really a lot um, questions I have with him for specifically this fit. Um, one, the, the the run game background, is that really where they want to go with this hire? Uh, two, I think even more importantly, you know, the one year he does have is pretty bad. He's going to have to answer for that in the interview. Um, assuming mm-hmm. he did in, in, when in that interview uh, yesterday, answer for what happened there. Um, he just feels like a guy to me that maybe should go to a team with an established offensive coach and then kind of go under there. You know, he did that with Frank Reich, but I'm talking about a real stable environment. Um, go to Tennessee with Brian Callahan. Like that makes a lot of sense to me where he could land there, learn a year under Callahan, go out, then, you know, call his own stuff. So maybe he just needs a, a year to kind of rehab that rep a little bit to me. Um, but he's clearly held in very high regard. I mean, his reputation is clearly intact. Otherwise, he wouldn't be getting these interviews. But I just I think there's too much skepticism when this hire is such a huge thing for this organization. I just I'm not sure you can go in there with that type of question. I'd rather go in with the unknown guy with quarterback background like a Zach Robinson, I think. Than a guy yeah. You mentioned Tennessee, the other one that I thought of, and I don't know how much, you know, the inclusion of Deuce Staley on the staff would change things, but I thought about Cleveland because of Stefanski, you know, he calls the plays there and everything like that. Alex Van Pelt not retained as the offensive coordinator. I thought maybe that could be a fit too with the running back stable that they have. Yeah, I mean, could be an interesting kind of fit there. Um, I'm not sure if it would be my top They might be trying to get away from what they've, from that anyway yeah like i think yeah. they're gonna try and get away from it um i don't know they could get someone more experienced too i think they're trying to take a little bit off kevin stefanski's plate too because mm-hmm. avp well, kellen moore it was apparently the name that they're bringing in now so that that yeah. could be the case for sure daryl beevil like someone like that would make sense too like just someone that's a little different uh in that passing game that brown's run game though man was pretty brutal so i, I will agree with that it was um it, even without chubb like they had really no business being as bad as they were on the ground. And I understand they had injuries to tackle too, but mm-hmm. man, it was not a good run game uh, at all this year. So they, they needed different views. Um, but yeah, Thomas Brown, like in that environment under a Kevin Stefanski or someone like that, I, I do think that makes more sense than say going to Mike Tomlin and running the whole operation. I just, I'm not sure I would have the confidence in him to do that when honestly he didn't even prove to do it last year enough. And so, mm-hmm. To me, it's not about as much, you know, I think I think there if there was the perfect candidate, it would be a guy that had been around that you knew was a really good OC. That's why Shane Waldron made a lot of sense to me. You kind of knew what he was um, as an OC, but there's really no perfect candidate out there. So I'd rather swing on the unknown and probably uh, go for the guy that already has one year. That was easily the worst offense of the past, like three or four seasons. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And again, you know, small sample size here and obviously not very good results. But is there anything that you can pull away from that to try to get some type of idea of what he wants to do, like what he wants the identity of a team to be and what the offense could look like should he end up being the offensive coordinator for this team? Well, I still think it's that McVay tree. I think they really like that McVay-Shanahan 
scheme. I think that's where they're going with this. Uh, that's been my prediction from the start. They just have added so much from those schemes schematically that I think that's where they're going to go. Now, Brown's interesting because he does not check the quarterback's box. Kingsbury and Robinson did check the quarterback's box. How much of a wide net are they going to cast with this? I think that's the yeah. question. Uh, you know, are they going to interview Pep Hamilton? And are they going to interview those guys? And are they going to interview more guys like Brown? You know, is Anthony Lynn going to get an interview? Are they going to interview Greg Roman? Like guys that are known for like run game coordinating. I think that's something to look at. Um, but like you look at what I think they want, and it's a McVay tree guy that has a quarterback background. Like that's kind of what I figure. It keeps run game continuity, but it also helps the quarterbacks a ton. Another guy I could kind of see being an interesting name, and I'll just throw it out there because he's gotten a few interviews, is like David Shaw maybe, a guy that had mm, been wow, a long-time yeah. head coach at Stanford, had been with the Ravens for a while, seems to be creeping up now into head coaching and offensive coordinator interviews, which is interesting to me, just something to note. Um, but I do think that um, the McVay tree, the Shanahan tree, somewhere like that, so that when I say McVay Shanahan tree, you know, I'm also talking McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell. I'll even expand it to Stefanski because while Stefanski isn't a Shanahan McVay offshoot, he is a Kubiak offshoot and Kubiak and Mike Shanahan were very, very similar schematically with their philosophies. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. I want to switch this to the defensive side now because they aren't looking for a defensive coordinator. Terrell Austin given a new two year contract. And a lot of mixed opinions on this, Nick, from Steelers fans. Um, but, I mean, you look at the overall body of work, I, I, you got to think that he's earned this. Uh, six in, in points. Obviously, last year, you look at all the injuries that the team had uh, across the board, especially within the back two levels of the defense. Didn't have Cam Hayward for as long as he did. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously. Didn't have TJ Watt in the playoff game. A lot of different things happened to this defense, but obviously still the strength of the team. Where are you at with this? I'm cool with it. Uh, I didn't understand the visceral reaction. I understand that he's not a perfect defensive coordinator. Um, they don't have elite blitzes up front, but I like what he does on the back end with his disguises, and he got a lot more out of less. I think that's, you know, when you lose five safeties and three linebackers, like, you have to play bend, don't break defense. You're not going to have a dominant, you know, sure. three and out type of defense. Like, it's just probably not going to happen. So, I'm cool with it, um, mainly because I think T.A. is kind of exactly the type of guy that they need right now to stabilize that when they had that's when they have a bad secondary like they did last year. You need guys that have experience in the secondary mitigating weaknesses. And I thought he did that pretty well. He kind of had was forced, in my opinion, to use Minka Fitzpatrick um, in a bad, bad. Yeah, Nick, to me, like it was never about. My issue was never really with Terrell Austin this past season. I think the biggest issue was made before the season when they didn't replace Brian Flores's role for the 2022 season. Like, I think that TA does a lot of great stuff on the back end. He does a lot of great stuff on defense. But I think that you need to add to what he does with somebody that comes from, like, a blitz-heavy, very like a diverse blitz background like a Brian Flores did, and they didn't replace his role on the defense last year. Yeah, I think you need someone that can add the blitz elements, uh, utilize TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith in different ways to get them free. 
Um, they have good blitzing linebackers too. Like Alana Roberts is a pretty good blitzer. Um, so I just feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of really good things. Now they didn't have a slot that I feel like was a great blitzer outside of Minka, and they did use Minka there enough. But I mean, when you had Shannon Sullivan and Patrick Peterson in there, I don't think you really had a ton of confidence in them to do it. And so I understand some of the kind of hesitation to do it, but they need to get better up front. You could see their blitz schemes last year were like eons better than what they were this year. So I really want to see that improve. But I thought T.A. did a fine job um, with what he was given, with the personnel constraints he was given, you know, sixth in scoring defense. Um, They actually jumped up in DVOA this year, too, if you're up to that. They were 12th last year. They're sixth this year. Um, So they were better this year by a pretty good margin. Uh, Give them a better secondary. Give them a secondary with legitimate speed. And I think there's there's some really good – things that they can do with this defense. And again, he had a lot of limitations this year um, within that defense and they never really cracked and fully fell apart. So I think that's always a good sign of, of things um, when you are a guy that is kind of dealing with those linebacker issues, safeties, all of that. I also think, you know, whether, whether the fans want to say that this should be the case or not, I don't think that they wanted to add to their plate this offseason and have to do a defensive coordinator search along with doing the offensive coordinator one. So, like, you know, T.A. has done nothing poorly enough, obviously. Like, you could even say he's done a, a good job, given the circumstances, um, to require moving on. Uh, and certainly you don't want to create more issues for yourself going into the offseason than what you have. So, you know, this will line it up where now you don't have a defensive coordinator search at the same time as an offensive coordinator one, and you revisit the defense in two years and see where it's at. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. Um, listen, like, Ter- Terrell Austin's not an elite defensive coordinator. I, I think we can agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have the whole package, if you will. He is not a Mike McDonald, for example, who is just a wizard at this thing. Um, but yeah. he is a solid DC. And also, I will just say this. Fans tend to hate their coordinators. Like, everyone tends to hate it. Like, there are 64 mm-hmm. coordinators in de- on offense and defense. I bet about 58 of them are hated. Like that is usually true. And the other six usually become head coaches. So that's kind of where we're at. And TA has his limitations. Um, but I think he's, I don't think they need to move on from TA. I think that was a bit of an overreaction. Personally, I think they just need someone to help them out with this front seven stuff. Cause we talked about this a little bit, how stacked they are in the back and kind of secondary control, right? Mm-hmm. Like Terrell Austin, Mike Tomlin, Grady Brown, Gerald Alexander, they had four voices working in on defense in the secondary. And they only had like – Yeah, I mean, listen, they only had three uh, on the front seven. And two of them were Denzel Martin and Aaron Curry, who are really young, and Carl Dunbar, who's a really good defensive line coach, but not really a scheme guy. So they need someone mm-hmm. in there like a Flores to come in, help them out on the front seven, give them a different type of view. And, and kind of help them in that area to me uh, to really, really get this thing from, say, Ben, don't break to truly just straight out dominant. Because they're not far away. I don't think they're far away from that. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and you quoted this on X was from uh, Stephen Patton, Patton Analytics, that defensive play caller rankings, where it's kind of like taking into it's, it's coverage and market efficiency with team constraints. So you obviously take in consideration a lot of things that we just talked about. The first on this is T.A. Pretty crazy to look at. 
it is pretty crazy to look at, but it makes sense when you think about it because of the turnovers they created, the havoc plays they mm-hmm. caused up front. That's TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, and those great players, but the havoc they can create up front. But I'm telling you right now, like they have the talent up front. If they could add maybe just one more guy, like they have the talent to be a nasty front. And if they can add, if we as we talked about yesterday, let's say they add Legarius Sneed to this secondary, like this could be a top three, top three defense next year. Like there's no doubt in my mind that this can be a top yeah. three defense. And people always like talk about how offense wins championships now, and it does, but top four defenses in EPA per play this year, three out of the four of them are in their championship games. It matters. Mm. Like you better still be a pretty darn good defense to get to where you are now. Uh, you need, as always, you need to have a complete team, and the defense can't be completely ignored. And when you know the Chiefs this year were sucking offensively, even with Mahomes and Kelsey and all those guys, their defense is elite this year. Like it is a great defense that Kansas City has this year, and they kept them afloat for most of the season. So um, that that's it's it's okay. To, to value defense still in the NFL. Yes, you have to value offense a ton, obviously. All the teams also have quarterbacks, but they also have great defenses. Uh, not related to the Steelers, Nick, but some news coming across here that Raheem Morris will be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So no Ooh. Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Yeah, no Bill Belichick. I like the Raheem Morris hire. I, I felt like he, it was kind of crazy he might not get a job. With what mm-hmm. he did in L.A. this year, like, that is like you look at LA's personnel defensively and you're like, ooh, yeah. like it's it's not very good. Um, and he did a great job of really doing more with less. Um, so he earns it. He's done that multiple years and multiple years. Like he's probably overdue for it. So Raheem Morris is a really good hire for Atlanta to pair him, man, with a good OC. Um, and you got someone I think that can really lead you to some divisional titles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially within that division for sure. Wide open as, as early as next season for basically any team in that division. Um, Nick, we did have a couple of questions that we didn't get to yesterday. So uh, and one of them, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned the Legarius Sneed thing on the back end, but, you know, up front, could they withstand to add somebody there? Like, what are the chances this comes from, uh, once again, our guy, Lord Megatron's up, what are the chances the Steelers try and find a camera placement this offseason, whether that be in the draft or free agency? It's possible that if they don't want to make the splash of the secondary, they make it up front. Also, depending upon Larry Okunjobi, probably getting cut in that case. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. If you're going to find a camera placement and make it like a huge splash, what are you doing? Christian Wilkins? Like that would be a wild move. Um, But it's a good D tackle class. There's like guys like Daquan Jones out there. Um, it's, Mm -hmm. It's solid. I could see them targeting a camera placement. Maybe if they could fill enough voids in the draft, too, they can maybe draft another one early. Um, there's enough guys that are going to be out there that that might even be a 20 that could really be kind of interesting, like a Byron Murphy, for example. Um, like There are a few guys out there that I really like um, in free agency, too. Like When you look at what this team has at D-line, they have Keanu Benton, a really young guy, Cam Hayward, who is who knows what he's going to be next year, and Larry, who is slightly above average but being paid a lot of money. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, they need another guy there, probably. 
And so, yeah, I could see them targeting a guy there. I'm just not sure how much room and flexibility they have to do that specifically this offseason. But it would be smart. If they have enough room in the draft or if they have cap room and find the right fit for a guy that wants to come, I think they should do it. Okay. Uh, and then the other one was kind of putting the two together, the draft and free agency. Would you rather see a B-grade right tackle sign in free agency with an A-grade cornerback drafted or vice versa? So an A-grade right tackle or tackle taken in the draft along with signing a, you know, maybe a second tier corner. What, what route would you go between those two? That's interesting. We talking D-tackle or O-tackle? Uh, offensive tackle. So they said so right tackle, tackle specifically, but... Yeah, right. That's interesting because they're both really good draft classes. So there's a really good chance you actually get an A- minus at either position no matter what. So the stronger free agency group is probably a corner. I think that's why I would rather go with the Legereus Sneed, really give them special flexibility on the back end um, and take this defense from pretty good to just elite, like add another elite corner. So I think I'd rather do that um, just because I'm going to look at the offensive tackle class real quick, uh, just on the free agency market. And I know there's some names out there that make sense, like Donovan Smith, Mekhi Becton, Trent Brown, Michael Owen, would be interesting, maybe more of a guard, mm-hmm. though. If you're really thinking yeah. about that, Tyron Smith's going to be out there, but he's an older guy. Um, I mean, it's not a great tackle class, to be quite honest. Jermaine Illuminor, like, it's fine, but there's no there's no one really great. So I think the draft for the tackle is better in Santa Corner. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would agree because – I, I feel like the corner is stronger in free agency, the corner class stronger for agency. Although we talked about it yesterday, and I really like the safety free agent class. Like that's the one position where I'm like hell bent on this should be addressed in free agency and not the draft. I think they should address uh, I said it yesterday too, address the whole secondary in free agency. Just fortify the defense. Like get yourself in elite defense. Like do that for get an elite defense for two years maximize that out and then see what you need to do a quarterback. Like if you need to go make a splash a quarterback next year, not because it doesn't feel like they're going to do that this off season. It feels like they're going to do some mid ground option. But when, you, if next year you have to make a splash, have that defense intact, have the offensive line ready to go. And then maybe you can just plug in a quarterback and cook. Like that's, that's, that's the dream, right? If Kenny Pickett isn't mm-hmm. it, um, for for sure, if they see themselves that he is not it, um, if they don't like their options and they're going to go out and get a big fish name, you need to make sure you have the pieces, in my opinion, because T.J. Watt by then will be 31 years old. Cam Hayward will be 36. Minka will be 30, um, I believe. So, like, you're going to have to have those pieces in place to go. So, yeah, build us defense. I keep saying build this defense as much as you can to make sure it stays at a top level here. I had people. So I put out a thing about Legereus Sneed because like they do those contract projections too, which by the way, Brad Spielberger PFF 
pretty close to on the money with these a lot of the times with these contract projections. Uh, had three for 52, 30 million fully guaranteed for Legereus Sneed. And I was like, yeah, like sign me up for this, you know, opposite of Joey Porter Jr. I had a lot of people responding to me saying that they're putting too many resources into the defense already. Don't continue to pay it. You know, it's already such a highly paid defense. They need to start investing in the offense. Where do you stand with that? Because just for me personally, I don't think that there needs to be like some type of balance there. Like if you got an opportunity to add that type of player, just do it. When you have guys that need paid on the offensive side of the football, do it then too. But like, don't limit yourself to only paying guys on offense when there's elite players like this available for the defense. Cap wise, they're investing a lot into the defense, but like they've drafted all offense for the most part at the top of the draft. In recent years. Now, last year they did corner D-line. I understand that. But, I mean, Broderick Jones, Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Pat Fryer, like all of these guys were top two round picks. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it is a – there is a ton of draft capital in that offense. They paid the entire interior O-line from Isaac Samalo, James Daniels, Mason Cole. They're probably either going to draft a center or pay another center this year to fix that. I think they're going to draft a receiver or sign a receiver. So here's what I would say to the Sneed crowd. If you're not going to sign LeJerry Sneed, I understand the argument, but like, what's the alternative? Are you making a run at Michael Pittman? Like, is that what the, the idea is? Are you getting another top receiver? There's really not an elite tackle out there. If you, unless you want to go try Tyron Smith, like, but Trent Brown, Michael Olwenu, like not a great class at free tackle. So if I could understand that argument, if there was like an elite tackle Mm -hmm. that would be available, I could understand saying, go get that guy. But I don't feel like there is. So they're going to have enough cap space. I know they're 15 million over right now, uh, somewhere around there. Um, but they are going to have enough room once they clear out, restructure, et cetera, et cetera, to make some significant moves. So I'm trying to make this team the best possible team it can be. Now, if an elite receiver becomes available, if a top tackle is on the trade market, go for it. Um, I would be signing a big-time quarterback this offseason if it were me, but they're not going to do that, right? But I don't think that – they aren't investing in the offense. They just invest in the offense through the draft a ton right yep. now while they are building yeah. up the defense. And so adding Sneed isn't going to be a huge issue to me because Cam's contract's going to come off the books eventually too. And so it is not a bad idea, especially at corner where they just have drafted so poorly, so poorly throughout their history. I know Joey's the most like recent hit. But yeah, maybe he can buck the trend. Yeah, like they have they have drafted so poorly there, and there's really not. And again, I just keep saying this: like, what's the alternative to not signing Snead? Like, are you would you be in favor of going to sign Mike Evans? I mean, maybe you are, but then when I say they should get a receiver early, everyone's like, no, 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 they need tackle center. <laughs> like I like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the the other avenue for an elite ad. This offseason, if you're not doing it at corner, D-line, somewhere on the defense, is at wide receiver. That is the truth. Um, So the argument you have to make generally there, unless a tackle or an elite center or someone becomes available via trade that we don't expect, is that receiver would be 
the place you would make the move. And maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe you would get George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Mike Evans. <laughs> I mean, that would be a, a fantastic receiving core. So if that's what yeah. you want, I mean, I'm cool with it. Just understand you could say, oh, they need an elite tackle, but the market actually has to have elite tackles available. And it's yeah. not available. And neither is any elite center. Now, it's a good center for agency class. I think they should... I'm growing more and more into the thought that they should draft the center uh, less because I just like the free agency class that much. And what I really like is if they can deal with corner, sign a linebacker, sign a safety, they can do some really interesting things with that first round pick. If they get tackle where they could go D line receiver quarterback like it opens up the board a lot more past round one round two for me if they can sign a center so that can be where you make the splash but i think they can sign sneed and make a splash at center and so i i don't think that precludes them from making that sign so that's my thought is it makes sense i understand why you wouldn't want to invest so much more into the defense because they already have big contracts they have four huge contracts on the defense already i get it Mm -hmm. but also there's not the avenue to add an elite tackle. So your argument yeah. is either you're signing Kirk Cousins, you're signing Baker Mayfield, <clears throat> or you're signing Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Mike Evans. Like that's your argument. And if you want to do that, I understand it too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh I was just again only talking about the aspect of specifically not spending any more on defense because of yeah. how highly paid they that, are. That's hogwash, man. Yeah. Like so, there are uh, elite players, you need elite players on each side of the football. And one of, and some of those elite players are going to have to be on rookie contracts. Like that is almost universally true throughout the NFL. I look at uh, the, the lions, for example, where they have paid some guys, but a lot of those guys are on rookie deals. Um, look at the 49ers. Like they are the opposite of the Steelers where they have elite talent all over the offense and they have, you know, Nick Bosa, um, they Fred Warner. So they have a few guys they're paying big money to over there, but it's not like this great dispersal. Um, And the Steelers remember before they paid the defense, all this money were the complete opposite when they paid Ben and AB and all those guys, they were at the top of the league in offensive spending about six, seven years ago. So they just flipped it on their head it could be a little bit more balanced, but I am not against the idea of adding an elite corner. I just think it would do so much for this team, for this defense, to take this leap from here to here. And I think that matters. Yeah, I agree. All right, good stuff. Uh, Nick, tell the people they can find you. Yeah, you could find me on X at Farabaugh FB. Uh, and make sure to read more stuff at SteelersNow.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. There we go. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Hit us in the comments with your thoughts. Anything that we talked about today, any questions for future episodes, leave us a five-star review if you were listening somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. For Nick Farabaugh and myself, you can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. And thanks for jumping in. Take another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 